0: Welcome to our midweek online time of prayer and devotion. I'm glad that you're joining in with us if you're watching live or maybe watching a little bit later on. Uh, We're going to continue on tonight in the Psalms that we've been in for the summer, uh, especially in this uh, section of the Psalms that is focused on praise that I hope has been helpful uh, to focus our priorities and our thoughts and really to encourage Our hope and our confidence in the Lord. Uh, But before I get into the scripture tonight, I want to pray, and we want to pray especially uh, for those that are in the uh, path of the hurricane. I know there are some uh, family members uh, connected to our church family uh, that are down that way, and uh, I know some people uh, in that area as well that uh, are potentially going to be most affected by it. And we know God's in control, and our psalm tonight even addresses that just a bit, uh, but at the same time it brings a lot of human concern and also pray for a lot of what's going on right now in our nation as there's so much discord and uh, seems like chaos and we want to just pray for the Lord's peace and for our confidence in him as well. So let's pray and then we're going to get into Psalm 148 together. Father, we thank you uh, for uh, your grace and goodness to us Uh, we exalt your name and we praise your name because you are worthy we thank you lord that we can look to your word and be reminded of who you are and why we should bring praise to you and honor you and lift up your name Uh, we have many needs Uh, lord i ask that as we come before you to bring those needs that Uh, We would come with clean hands and pure hearts, that if there be anything in us that would be displeasing to you, that we would confess it as sin and be sure that there's nothing that's hindering our fellowship, Lord, with you. And we do lift up our our nation and so many things going on right now, so much discord and division and and troubles. Uh, Lord, we ask for peace and for your will uh, to be done here on earth as it is in heaven we pray for those in our church family that have lost loved ones recently and there are others that are dealing with uh, job concerns and uh, their own health issues and father you're faithful to meet us at our point of need and help us no matter what our concerns are and we pray you bring comfort especially to those that are grieving right now and dealing with different situations we pray also for those that are in the uh, path of the hurricane. Uh, Lord, there's extended family and some immediate family for some in our church that are dealing with these issues. And we pray that, uh, Lord, that, that most of all uh, folks would be uh, safe and that uh, maybe it would be not as bad as what it appears it could be. Uh, but in the midst of it, Lord, we pray that uh, your hand would be at work in that situation. And now Lord, as we turn our attention to Psalm 148, we thank you for the Psalms that we have considered during these summer weeks. And as we are approaching the end of uh, Psalms, uh, Lord, uh, may your name be exalted and our hope in you strengthen. And I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to read from Psalm 148 here in just a moment, but the message tonight is entitled, Praise the Name of the Lord praise is central to the christian life it is commanded for us in the bible it has several effects it facilitates our access to god because we're approaching him he, we know that he's worthy we're addressing him in a way that honors him and recognizes his power and his glory uh, praises are inhabited by god he's pleased with us when we praise him and we, we bring our concerns to him, it promotes faithfulness because as we think about the faithfulness of God, we are challenged in our own faithfulness. And we look to him and his character and his unchanging nature and we're reminded of who we've placed our hope and our trust in. I think praise also has the effect of chasing away despair. Because it takes the darkness and it brings the light and reminds us that we can trust in the Lord Praise is an effective defense against temptation Because as we draw near to God and we honor him Then we want to live our lives in such a way that they're consistent with his holy character And then most of all we praise because God is worthy of it The command to praise the Lord is repeated 12 times in this psalm. Alexander McLaren, the preacher of old, said Psalm 148 continues a line of thought which runs through scripture from its first page to its last, namely that as man's sins subjected the creatures to vanity, so his redemption shall be their glorifying. Begin reading here in Psalm 148 in verse 1. And you're going to notice the repetitive nature of it that is intended both for emphasis and for instruction. Praise the Lord, verse 1. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you stars of light. Praise him, you heavens of heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. He also established them forever and ever. He made a decree which shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth, you great sea creatures and all the depths fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy wind, fulfilling his word, mountains and all hills, fruitful trees and all cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things. And flying fowl, kings of the earth and all the peoples, princes and all judges of the earth, both young men and maidens, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. For his name alone is exalted. His glory is above the earth and heaven. And he has exalted the horn of his people, the praise of all his saints, of the children of Israel, a people near to him, praise the Lord. There are two sections in this psalm that you'll notice and you might have picked up on as we just read it. The first is verses 1 through 6, which focuses on the praise of heaven. Second is verses 7 through 14, which is the praise of the earth. Those who should praise the Lord are identified and then the reasons why they are to praise the lord are identified as with all of the psalms from 146 through 150 it begins and it ends with the phrase praise the lord here's the basic idea or the thread that runs through the whole thing god is worthy of praise from all in heaven and all who are on earth So I want to share with you uh, two big ideas here in this passage of where this praise comes from and why. And then I'm going to bring it back for a close. First of all, the name of the Lord is to be praised in heaven. The name of the Lord is to be praised in heaven, verses 1 through 6. Now the heights is a parallel term for the heavens, uh, depending on how uh, your translation communicates it. The angels in heaven are to praise the name of the Lord. Angels are referenced in verse 2. Angels are created spiritual beings with moral judgment and high intelligence. And they possess spiritual uh, bodies, in a sense, rather than physical bodies. So let's think about this for a moment. Angels are created spiritual So what that means to us is that they have not always existed. They are a part of the universe that God has created. Genesis 2 and verse 1 says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. The host refers to the heavenly creatures that inhabit God's universe. Exodus 20 and verse 11 says, In six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. And rested the seventh day. So we know whenever the angels were created, they were created at least by the sixth day of creation. Ezra said, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, and the host of heaven worships you. So this reference to verse 2 of praise to the name of the Lord coming from the angels speaks to us of the angels who are created spiritual beings. We know also that angels have the capacity for moral judgment. And the reason that we know that they have the capacity for moral judgment is because some of them sinned and fell from their positions with Satan, the archenemy. And we know that they were able to choose, at least at that juncture to do right or wrong, obey or disobey God. And there were a large number of them that fell from heaven because of their disobedience to him. Angels have a high intelligence. They speak to people on behalf of God. They're able to identify uh, the character and the nature of God and to praise him in a way that is consistent with that and they have an intelligence that's been given to them by God. Now, angels do not normally have physical bodies. In fact, in their ordinary activities of guarding and protecting, uh, they remain typically unseen. However, according to the Bible, from time to time, uh, they are able to take on bodily form. They did so to appear in various circumstances in the Scripture. And angels are obedient to the will of God. They are seen in the scripture as bringing messages to people. Uh, They're used as instruments of judgment on behalf of God. They patrol the earth. And at times in the scripture, uh, they are seen as agents of judgment, but also acting in defense of God's people. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who inherit salvation? Hebrews 13 and verse 2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Now there are several places in the Old Testament where angels, as God's mighty spirit beings, fought on behalf of God Against the forces of darkness. When the king of Aram was enraged because Elisha the prophet was revealing his military movements to the king of Israel, he sent a great army to capture Elisha. They surrounded the city, and when Elisha's servant saw them, he was afraid. But Elisha asked the Lord to open the servant's eyes. In 2 Kings 6 and verse 17 says, And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. What's referenced there is none other than angels. Angels who had come to fight on behalf of the servants of God. The prophet Daniel saw what looked to him like a man, dressed in linen with a gold belt, whose body was like barrel, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and his feet like polished bronze, and his words like the sound of a tumult. He told Daniel he had been sent in response to his prayers, and he had been engaged in battle with the prince of Persia, a demon, for weeks until Michael the archangel came to help him. So angels are in heaven sent out to do the will of God in the midst of his creation as obedient ministering spirits helping to further the will of God in the world and in heaven. Angels are angels and people are people. I've said this many times through the years, but it is an essential uh, truth to understand You'll often hear people say with good meaning when someone that they have loved has gone on, well, heaven gained another angel. Well, that's impossible because uh, the number of angels is fixed eternally so, as far as what we know in the scripture. People are created in the image of God, and there's no indication that an angel becomes, uh, that that a person would become an angel in heaven. People are created in the image of God, redeemed by the blood of Christ, and I don't see any crossover in that sense. Furthermore, we're not to worship angels. We're not to pray to angels. We're not to seek angels. We worship God. We pray to God. We seek God, and if he chooses to use an angel on our behalf, which I think he often does, then that's according to his will. Now, obviously, according to Psalm 148, angels exist to glorify God and to praise his name this is not the only place in the Psalms where angels are depicted as praising God in heaven Uh, Psalm 103 in verse 20 says bless the Lord O you his angels you mighty ones who do his word hearkening to the voice of his word in fact not only are the angels uh, to praise the name of the Lord in heaven but everything else in heaven is to praise the name of the Lord as well. Now there's an interesting use of the language here because verses three and four begin to talk about the sun and the moon and the stars of light, all of these things in the highest heavens and even the waters that are above the heavens. I think the highest heavens is literally the heaven of heavens. It might even refer to to the distant galaxies and the stars, uh, to the place where God dwells, uh, his throne in heaven and beyond. I think the waters that are above the heavens is probably a reference to Genesis 1, where God separated the waters below the expanse uh, from the waters above. So you ask the question, uh, you can see how angels would praise God because They are these intelligent moral beings with the ability to do so. But how can something that is inanimate praise the Lord? How can the sun and the moon and the stars and the clouds and so on, how can these things praise the Lord? Well, the way that they do this is that their very existence draws attention to the glory of the Creator who called them into being. So it's not that these inanimate objects are taking on some type of uh, spirituality or even humanity, but rather their existence points us to the glory of God. Psalm 19 and verse 1 says the heavens are telling of the glory of God and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Uh, James Boyce points out that the ways that these are a model for worship are first their worship of god is continually visible second their worship is ongoing so they're always there and they're never ceasing and it never varies god has created and established these things forever he has made a decree the scripture says that will not pass away now matter is not eternal but God is eternal. Matter exists because God spoke it into existence ex nihilo out of nothing. And the only reason that it exists is because of God. Now, this does not contradict the fact that there will be a new heavens and a new earth. Uh, the new heavens and the new earth will be comprised, uh, I believe, of the same matter, but reconstructed and freed from the curse. Psalm 111 in verse 2 says, Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in him. So big idea number one, the name of the Lord is to be praised in the heavens. Big idea number two is that the name of the Lord is to be praised on the earth. We find this in verses 7 to 14. Now there are two significant categories here everything non-human and everything that relates to people. Let's think first about everything that is non-human. The verse here begins with the depths of the ocean and the creatures that dwell there. I don't know if you've ever done much study other than a cursory glance at the oceans of the world, but they are uh, complex and really, still remain a mystery. There are five major oceans in the world that are separated by the continents: the Atlantic, the Pacific, the Indian, the Arctic, and what's now known as the Southern Ocean or uh, Antar- in the Antarctic. Arctic. That's easy for me to say. And all of them are known as ocean basins. Uh, and then, with the addition. You might have heard the phrase, the seven seas, sailed the seven seas. Well, where that figurative language comes from is a division of the North Pacific and the South Pacific, the North Atlantic and the South Atlantic. Now, the oceans cover 70% of the planet. Now, essentially, it's one global ocean, Uh, and 97% of the water in the world is actually found in the oceans. The ocean has a considerable impact on weather and temperature and the food supply, and I found it interesting when I was reading about this that more than 80% of the ocean in the world has never been mapped, explored, or even seen by humans. In fact, The ocean contains towering mountain ranges and deep canyons, just like on the earth. Uh, Large parts of the ocean are made up of continental shelves, and there have been documented 226,000 known ocean species, and yet there are many that remain a mystery. There's a reference here to the sea monsters, uh, referring to the whales, the great sharks, the other massive creatures in the sea. Uh, The blue whale, of course, is the largest known animal on the earth uh, or in the sea, uh, some 100 feet long and 200 tons, along with any number of other giant uh, animals that are in the sea. And then he shifts the focus here in verse 8 not just to the oceans, but to all kinds of weather uh, that would praise the Lord. Fire maybe is a symbolic of lightning and how powerful that can be. Uh, The word translated clouds is also translated as smoke, like mist that rises up. So here's this complex idea that even stormy weather like hurricanes or tornadoes, they are a part of the sovereign Uh, rule of God and it's phenomenal think about how powerful these weather events are because when you think about how powerful these weather events are uh, God's power is exponentially greater Uh, I read somewhere that in a in a typical uh, hurricane just kind of an average hurricane that it contains as much power as 10,000 nuclear bombs now obviously there's even further complexity here because we're in a sin fallen creation and even creation itself groans and cries out for renewal. And I think we see that in some of the severe weather and some of that's a mystery as well. But the psalmist's point is basically this. You need to get a vision of how great our God is and understand that he is worthy of being praised in the heavens and he's worthy of being praised on the earth there's a call to the mountains and the hills the fruit trees and the cedars all to praise the lord followed by cattle and insects and reptiles and birds all of these things are part of god's creation now it's important to note here as well that we should be good stewards of what god has made We are not to worship the creation, which is what's happened so much in our modern day. We are to worship the creator. We see the outcome of worshiping the creation in Romans chapter 1. It's anything but a holy existence. It's a rebellion against God. But in that, in our creation mandate in a sense, we've been given the responsibility to take care of of what god has made we find that all the way back in genesis chapter one the responsibilities that are bound up and given to us as part of humanity and as a result of that even our care for what god has made is worship to him we're not worshiping the creation but we're worshiping the creator and then there's everything that is human here he shifts once again he starts talking about the most powerful people on the earth Kings, princes, judges, anybody that would be in a position of authority. Then he gives a range of people from younger adults to older ones and children. Uh, Young people in the strength of life ought to praise the Lord. Older people ought to praise the Lord for what he's done in their lives. Little children ought to be learning to praise the name of the Lord. Nobody is exempt from praising the name of the Lord. then he brings it in in verse 13 and 14 and he talks once again about the greatness of the glory and grace of God we've been thinking a lot about the glory of God in our gospel of Luke series that we've been doing on Sunday mornings and I've given you a definition that is essentially the holiness of God manifested among people uh, to understand the holy character of God and who he is it's It's God's glory that he puts on display. It's the perfection of his being. But his name is to be exalted because it represents who he is. And his glory is above the earth and is to be exalted in the heavens. And then the Lord's grace is his undeserved favor. Now, what I wanna show you here before I wrap up our time of devotion tonight is that God's people are described in four ways. In the latter part of this psalm they are first of all his people because he has chosen them and redeemed them so if we turn that around to us we are God's people we are not our own we've been redeemed by him there was a great price that was paid for us through the Lord Jesus Christ so we are his and then he says that we are his godly ones What does that mean? It means that we're set apart from the world. We're to be growing in holiness. And then he refers to the sons of Israel. And while we aren't the sons of Israel in that sense, we are a part of God's covenant people through the promise of the Messiah and the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then finally, he speaks of a people who are near to God. And this is the thought I want to close with tonight in these last few minutes that we have together what it means to be a people who are near to god that's really what we want we don't want to settle for half-hearted christianity we don't want to settle for just going through the motions and being decent people and coming when it's convenient and serving when we feel like it or giving when we've got something left over or every now and again sharing our faith we want to be passionate about serving the lord because he's worthy And if our praise and our worship is where it's supposed to be, and it lines up with the character of God, then our lives are not going to be lived out half-hearted. We're going to understand that this is a spiritual relationship with an eternal God, and he's worthy of our best, and we want to be a people who are near to him. Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, but now in Christ Jesus you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ and he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the father so did you hear what those words tell us we've been brought near by the blood of Jesus so there was a price that was paid for our salvation, so that we could be reconciled to God. We once were separated from God. We once were going on our own way. We once were destined for hell. But God in Christ has redeemed us by His blood, by the power of His resurrection. He's brought us so that we have peace with God and peace with one another. And we have access in one spirit to the Father. So you have direct access to God through the blood of Jesus and because of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And I want you to understand that praise is not determined by your circumstances. Praise is defined by your response to your circumstances. Let me say that again praise is not determined by your circumstances. You say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to praise the Lord when I get through this challenging season in my life. Well, let's see how that works out for you. Life's a series of ups and downs. We spend a lot of time in the valley. And if you're waiting only till you get to the top of the mountain to praise the Lord, you might be waiting because you might be in the valley for most of your life. But the valley does not change the character of God. And it is our praise that defines our response to our circumstances. As Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. And I wonder, is that the attitude of your life? Are you finding your joy and your hope in the Lord and finding your praise, praising the name of God, because he's worthy we're to be a people who are near to god and i'm going to say this and i'm going to pray and we're going to close don't miss the opportunity to be near to god do you know most people are just as spiritual as they want to be and they're just as fleshly as they want to be as well if you want to be in the world it's easy everybody's in the world everybody's everybody's living according to self to their own pride to their own desires But if you want to have life in the Spirit, God has provided this for you in Christ. So if you're living a mediocre Christian existence, you can't blame it on anybody because God has given you all the resources that you need in Christ. He's filled you with His Spirit. Will you submit to Him and surrender your life to Him? That's the pathway to praise, and it's also also the pathway to purpose in your life. Because praise defines everything else about you. Let's pray and we're going to wrap up our time together this evening. Father God, these Psalms are rich in truth. And they draw us close to you. And for that, we are so thankful. I pray for uh, anyone who doesn't know Christ as their Savior. That they would realize that... You've made the way for us to come into your holy presence through the blood of Jesus, through the cross and the resurrection. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe there's somebody tonight that is discouraged. They've been trying to do it on their own and getting the results and wondering, why is that? I pray tonight they realize that you've given all that we need to live in the fullness of the Christian life and to draw near to you to be a people who are near to you that'd be my prayer tonight god as i close make us a people who are near to you and as we're near to you that we will become more and more like jesus and we draw other people to him by the testimony of our lives and our words about him encourage us to that end help us to be faithful and i pray it all in jesus name amen i encourage you to come and join with us on sunday if you're physically able and and ready to do that Uh, we're meeting we still have a lot of space i know many of you are sticking with us online and that encourages me and i hope that's a blessing to you as well as we go through this time and you have a blessed rest of your week